Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. My guest today is a good friend of the show and a close friend of mine. His name is Gonzalo Hall. You may remember him because he's a previous guest here on About Abroad. And today he stops by to update us on the plethora of projects that he is working on from nomad villages in Brazil to the Alps in Switzerland and everything in between. This conversation was a lot of fun and took us literally around the world a couple times. So I had a blast. It was good to catch up with him, learn more about what Nomad X is doing, learn more about these digital nomad villages that are popping up all across the world, and what he is doing to push along the initiative for digital nomads. And finally, there is a big surprise at the end of the podcast, which I was honored he shared with us. So stick around until the end. Hope you guys enjoy this one. Please help me in welcoming Gonzalo Hall back to About Abroad. Cord, we're just starting this call from scratch. Like there's no intro. You get no time to prepare. We're just going for it, man. Great to see you again. It's beautiful to see you again. I'm so excited for this. We love this random conversation. So I'm super excited. Whatever we are going to do in the next hour or so, it's going to be legendary. <laughs> I agree. I've been, it's been too long. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Where I can't keep up with you, man. Where are you now? Like, it looks like you're in some kind of like wooden chalet. Last I saw, I think you were in Brazil. It doesn't look Brazilian. So I don't know. What, what are you doing? I'm right now in Lide in Switzerland. I came from Brazil like five days ago from 30 degrees to three degrees. So right now in Switzerland. And where are you? Brazil to Switzerland, man. You're truly living the dream. I'm randomly back in Spain right now. So actually doing a bit of traveling myself. You know, I'm kind of like on this. I think, you know, I don't know. I'm on this like kind of extended. I've gone nomadic again. I'm, I'm following in your footsteps. So I've gone nomadic in a, in a very slow mad style way. I'm a couple months in a few different places this year. And, but I had to come back to Spain for some uh, visa stuff. So I'm currently back in Valencia in my uh, hometown. Interesting thing, coming back to a place that's not your home, but kind of feels like your home. Like I've been here long enough where it's like, ah, it's kind of home. Like I was just walking around. Like it's a foreign place to me. Like I don't speak the language perfectly. I like there are things that I don't understand. I'm doing visa stuff right now. You feel like a total baby when you're like walking into a place and you're like, I don't understand what this document means. Like, please tell me. But like at the same time, like I'm walking down the street and I like bump into friends and I know exactly where I'm going. And I don't know, it's a, it's a interesting thing. I think I feel the same in Madeira. Like I do speak the language, which really helps me a lot. But I think I feel the same in Madeira. Like every time I now land in Madeira is a place I call home, uh, which is quite cool. Oh, dude, you know what we'll do? I'll give you an awesome big news live on the podcast. This will be nice, but I'll leave the expectation a little bit more. Oh, so it's a teaser. I think I really feel the same in Madeira because when I land there and it's like, I know most of the people, I know the way around, I know the businesses, we have a house there now, we are renting a house there, and it just feels like home, you know, I wake up, I look at the window, I see the banana trees, like, yeah, this is home, this is cool, I like it. That's so cool. That's so cool. So you've uh, you've like got a home base there now that, that you've, you've rented a place, so you can keep your stuff there and just kind of like travel from there now. 
Yes, I already have three books, which is new. People, really nice people, like John, who works a lot with the repopulation in the US, he sent me his book, it's an amazing book. I actually have now people send me books. This is where we are in our life right now. <laughs> You're a big deal, man. I mean, I think that's when you reached a new, uh, a new level, when people are sending you their books. Like, hey, will you read this? I mean, that's, that takes some effort. Man, it's incredible. I'm not, I'm sometimes not sure what happens. We, we have this conversation uh, on WhatsApp where it's like, don't you do our big? I was like, not really. I still wear the same Adidas trousers in the morning. I still dress badly. I still travel like a homeless. <laughs> it didn't change much on my sides. Yeah, you're just setting up nomad villages around the world and making the hop from Brazilian beaches to Alpine, Swiss Alpine chalets. Mm. So You've done something right. You know, I, I think what I was saying to you, like to give a little context to people listening, um, what I was saying to you over WhatsApp when we were chatting a few weeks ago is like, it's really cool. One of the things that I love about following your journey is that you're one of the people that just literally said like, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I'm going to do with my life. And it has worked for you. It doesn't always work for everybody. And I wouldn't even advise everybody to like turn their passion into their, their work. But in your case, like way before digital nomadism was mainstream, you were like, I'm a digital nomad. That's how I identify. I remember I asked you that question the first time you were on the podcast, like, do you identify as a digital med? And you're like, hell yeah, that's what I am, man. <laughs> and this was like way before it became mainstream. Now it's really cool to watch. I mean, setting up nomad villages everywhere and, and living your dream. It's really cool. Yeah, man. It's, I'm, this year has been crazy, honestly. Like, I never went to America as a continent before, and I've been there four times this year. <laughs> it's like we went from zero and it's always for business. It's not like, like even, oh no, I'm going there as a nomad, staying for a little bit. No, I went to Rio in the beginning of the year to speak at this big conference. I went to Canada to with, where I met you finally at Running Remote. I went back now to Brazil and I keep going back. I went to Mexico with Safety Wing. Like I keep going back and forth and this is unbelievable for me. And yeah, it's nice. I cannot, I don't complain. I love it. But it's very weird how fast things can happen, you know? Like, we started this just, we started the Nomad Village in Madara just one year and a half ago. It's nothing. In the big scheme of things, it's nothing. It's crazy what's happening. And yeah, of course, I'm loving every single minute of it. But it's all very new at the same time. And I'm still building Nomad X, just exploding all new things. It's crazy and it's beautiful and it's legendary. And I'm just trying to. My coach told me, and this is so true, like sometimes you just have to put your feet down and look look around you and enjoy a little bit what you built because it's nice. And so I'm trying to do that more and more. It's something I, I have to improve about myself. Just acknowledging where we are right now that we built, we are building something that is worth mentioning, which is incredible. And I'm so lucky to be this cool position. Uh, but at the same time, I still feel like the new kid on the block. I still feel like I want to build more. I still feel like I'm just starting, you know? So it's like, it's a weird place to be because you always tell me like, Gonzalo, you are doing so much. It's incredible. I was like, yeah, but I want to do so much more. <laughs> so yeah, man, I'm learning. I'm learning. It's a whole new life. People send me books. I'm traveling a lot and it's a whole new world for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're traveling a lot in a, in a different way. I, th I think that's like really true what you just said. I, I've said this on the podcast before, so I hate to sound like a broken record, but I, I think it's something important that I'm trying to learn as well is like we spend so much of our energy focused on the things that we're not doing well. Like if you make a mistake or if you do something stupid or something you regret, like you, we spend a ton of energy dwelling on that, regretting it, thinking about it, trying to fix it. And then at the same time, like when we're doing something really awesome, something that like we set out to do and we accomplish that goal, we spend almost like no time celebrating that. 
Um, it, it happens with individuals. It happens with teams. And so I think there's something like it sounds super corny to say, like as society or whatever, like we just need to get better at this and like celebrate our wins, spend some time like enjoying the fact that, yeah, man, look what I did. Like, this is awesome. I'm literally living my dream. I'm bouncing back and forth. You know, you set out to be a digital nomad and you're you're bouncing back and forth across the Atlantic and doing exactly that. And I guess it does deserve some uh, celebration on a, on a personal level. And then like, you know, just depending on where you're at in life, it, it could be like familiar. It could be as a team. It could be company-wide. But we got to celebrate those, those successes a little more. For me, at least, it's the fear of being perceived as cocky, you know? Like, oh, look at him. He's talking about how how good he does. And I hate that. And I hate that in other people because, you know, that you know those people that only speak me, myself, and I. And because I, I know that I don't want to become that. And it's hard sometimes. At the same time, I know, I, so I think I correct for the other side, meaning I don't want to be cocky at all. So I am over humble or I try to be over humble in like, yeah, I think that's that. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the guy with the Porsche at all. Like if one day I get a lot of money, I'll still ride the same car, which I don't have or the same bike or whatever. Like I'm not buying a Porsche for sure. That's not part of who I am. And I don't want to be perceived like that. And sometimes because you are successful, people perceive you like someone cocky because suddenly you don't have 10 people reaching out to you, you have 100. And sometimes you will not answer to everybody. It's impossible. So there is this, at least for me, this fear of the perception that you are becoming cocky, that you are becoming, that you are thinking too much of yourself. And that's not who I want to be. That's not how I want to be perceived by other people. I still wear the same hoodie, the same beach shorts, the same Havaianas. Nothing changed, honestly, just the perception of that people now have about me, about my work and that's beautiful so i try to keep that balance as much as possible but sometimes i think i overdo it and something i have to, uh, more and more with my also with my coach to stop a little bit yeah gain the perception of and celebrate the wins and i'm doing it more often to be fair so i'm working on that i also i also struggle with this uh, big time it's particularly with social media and even with launching this podcast like i was like i don't want it to seem like who am i you know like who am i to start to talk about these things. Like who's going to listen first of all. And then also like, who am I to be the one to speak on some of these things? I don't want to be perceived as this person that, that thinks that they're worthy of doing so, I guess. And I struggle with it a lot with social media. I used to think about like anything, posting anything on social media was sort of like bragging, like, look at me, look what I know. And someone gave me some really good advice and they were like, you know, flip the script on that and think about it more so as if one person listening or watching or reading gets something of value out of whatever you share, then you've done the right thing. So look, at it as like a service to pay it forward by sharing. And that's why I'm such a big fan of the build in public concept, like everybody just sharing, you know, here's what we're doing internally. It's like, like forget the competition, forget all the BS around like, I, we're going to keep our secrets and we're going to build faster than you. It's like, no, just share it and we'll all benefit from that. And, and you build community that way. So anyway, yeah, I've, I've also struggled with this like balance between like humility and like, hey, look, I'm proud of what I've done or I'm, I'm excited about this. I still hate like, for instance, if people follow me on social media, like I'm really bad. I mean, I post once a week about this podcast and I'm like, I don't want to annoy people with more. <laughs> and I've had people say like, you know, you need to post more. You need to do videos. You need to do all this stuff. And I'm like, ah, I just, I don't want to do it. Like, I don't, I don't want to bombard people. I don't want to, I don't want to be in there trying to like push this down their throat. So I don't know. Anyway, it's, it's also something that I struggle with. And I know a lot of people that do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we need to, first, I think we need to do it a little bit more, but it's a balance and it's a hard balance. We should just acknowledge it. It's good that we are looking at it. We understand. We have this kind of self-knowledge about yourselves where you see that you are doing it, which I think it's it's the big step, to be honest. So yeah, then we just keep improving and 
hopefully we'll get the balance. But there is no right balance for everyone. So maybe we are just doing it right and other people just do it differently and we are all doing it on our own way. Maybe that's the solution. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so we're talking about like success and things like this. I mean, you're currently in Switzerland. Let's start there. What are you doing in Switzerland? I know it's something cool and related to nomadics, but I really can't tell you much more than that. So, so tell me. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even know where I am. A lot of cool things are happening at the same time. I'm just trying to keep up with my own company sometimes. So in Switzerland, what's happening is that I met these incredible guys that are from Cool Living Freeland. I met them at Bansko Nomad Fest. Most Cool Livings right now, this is interesting are actually struggling like all these new co-livings are opening but because there is no connection with the market most of them are not digital nomads most of them don't know actual digital nomads they like the idea of having a co-living they like the idea of welcome digital nomads so nomadex is actually partnering with a lot of these co-livings that are not being successful right now and we are actually taking uh, literally a little bit over meaning we are taking over marketing we are coming to the places to improve it a little bit to cater to remote workers and digital nomads and we want to build kind of this global network of co-living spaces that are decently priced that are a solution for accommodation and not just the luxurious products so that's what i'm doing in Switzerland. we are announcing uh, or at least opening our co-living soon here to test it out we are doing some workations um, with ski with snowboard and i just landed here for the first time in my life in the middle of the alps and it's absolutely incredible i know you are a mountain lover i know you love this kind of thing for me, for me, it's actually the first time ever. So I understand. I understand a little bit. I'm enjoying it. It's. I mean, I'm enjoying it. But yeah, that's the goal. Like, we want to build this global network of co-living spaces. Freeling will be the first one. We are in Leeds, almost in the border with Spain. Uh, but we'll have at least a couple of co-living spaces here. We probably will have one in Spain, very close to you, in Costa Brava. Probably will have also in uh, Portugal, in the Isar and Paniche. I'm opening also the second one in Madeira. So basically, we want to be this global brand or global network of co-living spaces that actually serve digital nomads. Uh, of course, always focusing on the community, but we want to build co-living space as a solution for the accommodation problem that is global. Wow, man, that, <laughs> that's just, just that, just, just a dozen co-livings across the world. Switzerland's expensive. I don't think it's like a digital nomad hotspot for that reason. Maybe I'm wrong. So what are you guys doing to mitigate that? I think like our rooms, the shared room will start at 500, 550 euros. So it will be cheaper than most co-living spaces in Spain or whatever, even in Portugal. And our private room, I, I not have final prices yet, but will be under 1000 euros for sure. So basically, because we are not in a big city in Switzerland, we are in the mountains, in the Alps, literally, we can actually do super cool, decent prices. Literally the idea, can we make Switzerland affordable? Can you experience Switzerland, this amazing mountain? these amazing scenic views at a decent price and we can make it happen which is quite cool of course cost of life is hard but once you are in a co-living the way we are setting this co-living is actually very community-based meaning we are going to cook together. It's be very community-based. The whole idea is to live as a community inside the co-living space. Like there is no supermarkets here. We go to shopping once a week and we'll bring everyone, every, all the food for everyone and we'll cook together. So once you do that, it becomes actually quite affordable. I'd say you'll have to pay 50 euros a week, maybe, or maybe 100 tops if you eat very, very well, which is quite good for Switzerland, actually. So probably if you stay in a shared room, the whole experience will probably cost you under 1,000 euros per month. Wow. 
man, that's insane. That's actually like super affordable. And I think going to attract a lot of people because if you're, you know, I've spent like a good bit of time in the Alps the past couple of years. Like I've basically spent last summer there and this summer there. And I love it. I mean, you said it, I'm a mountain person. I, uh, I really do enjoy it. And it's just some of the most beautiful scenery. I just had my parents there. So my, my parents came over from the US to visit for two weeks. I took them down there to this area. I say down there because I was coming from the south of Germany. And so they spent a week with me in Germany and a week with me in Switzerland. And I took them to some of my favorite places in Switzerland. My dad's a pilot. He's been a pilot for like 40 years. He's seen the world. Uh, my mom was, was a flight attendant. She's seen the world. They were both like, this is the most beautiful place I've ever been in my life. <laughs> Where we were in Switzerland there around Interlaken and uh, Outerbrunnen and that whole area. So I say all that to say like this, it literally, if you want to go to Switzerland, if you haven't been before, you don't like the cities are, the, are fine. You could go to the cities and, and check them off your list if you want, but like get out there into the mountains and the Alps and you can enjoy those during any season of the year. Like summer is awesome. The lakes and the rivers and waterfalls you can be, you could just, it's a great place to chill out for summer. In the winter, you've got some of the best skiing and snowboarding in the world. There's hiking and and just cute little villages, alpine villages and stuff like that. So, and then obviously you're like centrally located in Europe. You can hop on trains, which are some of the nicest trains in the world and pop into Italy, Austria, Germany, France, like super, super fast. I mean, it's an insane place. So for all those reasons, I'm, I'm saying all this to say like, it checks so many boxes for nomads. And, and for people that want to spend a significant amount of time abroad. But people have this perception that the cost of living is so high that you can't really enjoy it. As you're saying, that doesn't have to be true, especially when people like yourself come in and make the housing affordable. <laughs> so kudos to you, man. That was my long-winded way of saying awesome. <laughs> oh, man, this was unbelievable. Yeah, I agree with you. I think... We can make these places quite cheap or at least quite affordable for most of us. Yes, it requires work. Yes, you need the right people like these guys at Go Living Feeling. They are not in it for the money. Yes, of course, they need to make money, but they are need, they have different businesses that make money. So they are really in it for the community to restart these villages. So, I mean, I think it's the perfect storm. It's like somehow things keep happening and I just say yes. And suddenly we are in the Alps from Brazil with the wrong clothing. And we, I just keep saying yes, and good things kept happening, keep happening. And I really think that what we are seeing here in the Alps is that most nomads, they don't really want, they, we don't all want to go to the beach and to the islands. Like there is a fair amount of people, I mean, a lot of people that want to come to the mountains, but there is right now only one community that is Pinesco that's actually located in the mountain with a proper mountain and ski resort. There is only Pinesco in Bulgaria. There is nothing else. So, well, we are creating more, I guess. And so we want to do more. Like these guys are in love with the mountains. They also have another place we, we will check in the future in Montenegro, but in the mountains of Montenegro. So they love the mountains. They love this five. They are like really mounted. They are your people, actually. They sound like my people. Yeah, I need to meet these Man, guys. They're so happy here. It's insane. And so probably we'll do more mountain co-living spaces in the future with them and together and work together to create this whole network in the mountains somewhere in the world. So they are addicted to mountains. I like mountains. I, I still prefer my ocean. Uh, I'm Portuguese. I think it comes with you in the blood. Uh, so yeah, but we will create something really cool together for sure in the future. I'm very excited for the things we can do together. And even for being here for the first time, like I never been to Switzerland, which is insane. Mostly because of the money and here i am in the beautiful co-living space affordable we went to italy which is just like 45 minutes and ate incredible pizza on the italian side of italy on the alp on the 
Alps in Italy. And it can be affordable, which is quite cool. You just need the right people and to know the right places. And you can make Switzerland quite affordable and work with incredible scenery. It's just, I spend more time looking to the, at the window like, to them, to <laughs> where do people go like like you mentioned this network of co-livings that you're you're starting up now so i mean if i understand right the model is kind of like there's these co-livings that all sort of exist already or are going to exist soon and nomad x is coming in and saying like we'll help you make these we'll bring the community we'll bring the people we'll help you make them profitable we'll tell you what nomads actually want and so there's this awesome partnership there and then how do people get access to them like are they individual websites or do you have like one place where you can go to look at all of them maybe walk us through that yes like the communities uh, everything will be under nomadx.com we will add all this every single co-living space every single new community like nomadx website it's not a company anymore it's like a place where you see what where what we are promoting and what we are doing so it's changing more and more so yeah we will create co-living section under on our nomadx website and we will be able to see all the new opportunities up there and i can tell you you can literally go from surfing in Peniche to the mountains of switzerland and we are just starting. This is actually the first one. So who knows where I'll be in one year. I have no clue, but I'm very excited to know. Oh man, yeah. If, if you if you guys haven't been to Nomad X yet, check out the new website, nomadx.com. I'm looking at it right now. It's just a thing of beauty. <laughs> There's so many cool things on here. Like it, it kind of serves as like the guide to this show. Like I'm just like looking through, I'm like, okay, Lisbon, how do you pronounce it? Caparica? Caparica, Cabo Verde, Madeira. I mean, all these sweet places. We're launching a new digital nomad village in Brazil. Yeah, I want to get to that. So I'm very curious about this village in Brazil. Before we get to that, can you, just for people that haven't met you before through the show, can you kind of define NomadX? Like what's uh, what's the elevator pitch on what NomadX is? I think Nomadex now is planning to create a whole nomad economy. Millions of people went nomadic in the last two years. We need certain things to become nomadic with qualities such as accommodation, such as working places, uh, such as experiences, and above all, community. So I think Nomadex is now on the way, on the path to build the whole nomadic economy. And whatever need we will feel in our community, that's what we are going to build next. Right now, it's accommodation. We are struggling. We as a community are struggling with accommodation. So we are focusing and creating these co-living spaces and we'll put our hands in every hotel we can find basically but we'll do the same with working spaces i don't think that co-working spaces per month will be the future i see more and more flexibility being needed as most people like to work from different places we'll probably put our fingers there in the near future so basically we are creating a whole new economy from us by us like football uh, <laughs> for us bias. I love it. At one point, I can't remember the details on this. There was even like you had like a token running or is that in Madeira specifically? Something with crypto? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we're putting something on NFT, an NFT side. More like a, premium, like a premium community that will help us build. So it's like you own a share of the company and we'll all build this company together with our community. Right now, it's very cent- centralized on me and in, in our money. We want to build as a community. So the goal for the future is actually to sell this NFT that will give you access to a premium community and we'll, uh, you'll be able to help us building it. And the more we win, the more you win. We make this a win-win situation. And that's we are, what we are trying to build with NFTs. We're probably just launching next year, 2023. So we'll see. The market is a little bit crazy right now. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. 
This episode is brought to you by my good friends over at Greenback Tax. As an American citizen, I'm from one of only two countries in the entire world that requires I pay taxes on my global income, regardless of which country I'm actually living in. So when I started my expat journey back in 2015, I knew my tax situation was about to get complicated. Fortunately, I discovered Greenback and I've never looked back. Greenback is 100% focused on helping U.S. expats with their tax situation. And to date, they've filed almost 50,000 returns for nearly 15,000 happy customers from more than 200 different countries. After seven years working together, I can say with confidence that they make one of the most painful parts of life abroad an absolute breeze with their automated systems, friendly advisors, and expertise in the very specific niche of U.S. expat taxes. Also, for those of you who may have fallen behind on your taxes and or you're trying to get ahead of tax season in 2023, Greenback has your back here as well. They can assist with late filings to ensure you don't encounter any problems with the IRS and to make sure you start 2023 off right. Tax season is on the horizon. Learn more about Greenback today by going to greenbacktaxservices.com via the link in the show notes. If you've made it this far into the episode and you're still enjoying yourself, then I would love to ask a quick favor. Open up the app that you're using to listen to this podcast and leave a quick review. You can do this in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and really just about any platform that allows podcast listening now. If you can't find that in the interface of the app, then scroll down in the show notes and find ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, and you should be able to leave it from there. Thanks so much, guys. We really appreciate it and hope you enjoy the rest of the show. All right, take me to Brazil real quick because I'm fascinated by this. And dude, this has been getting picked up by like major media. Like all the top media outlets are talking about this this nomad village in Brazil. And I'm, I sometimes wonder. I'm like, do they know that Gonzalo? Like, like sometimes they don't credit you enough. In my opinion, maybe I'm just like I'm on your side. I know you don't care about that. You're humble. I'm like, dude, you guys need to Gonzalo's name in there more because he's literally creating these. Anyway, uh, oftentimes they do as well. So kudos. Like it's. I mean, it's been epic to follow along. <laughs> But I want to hear from the from the from the mouth of the creator. What are your thoughts on this new nomad village, and, and what can you tell people about it that haven't heard? Well, first I want to say that media is putting Nomadex name in there instead instead of mine, which is ten times better. As Nomadex hopefully will grow and will be the a brand for the people. So it's good that Nomadex is there, and my name is just randomly in some articles. I like it that way. As long as one of us is there, me or Nomadex, I'm very happy. <laughs> Brazil is probably almost for sure one of the most beautiful places in the world, hands down. I just I was just I just spent a month there, and it's unbelievable. I've been to Bali. I've been to Thailand. Island. I've been to all these beautiful places that have massive nomad communities. And now I landed in Brazil. It's like, oh my God, this is better. Yes, I said it. Brazil, in my opinion, is better than Bali and Thailand. That said, of course, they have Brazil as a country has some challenges. So you have to go localized. So for example, lots of people tell me, Gonzalo, isn't Brazil dangerous? I was like, well, it depends. Isn't Spain dangerous? No, some parts of Barcelona, some parts of Madrid are dangerous. Spain is not dangerous. It's the same in Brazil. Brazil is actually an incredible country where I was walking out there four in the morning, super chilled because some places are super safe. So that said, in the country that is the size of Europe, a place that goes from zero degrees to 35, that goes from dry to the Amazon forest, our goal is to find a village to build our project. <laughs> super easy. So after a lot of research, we heard about Pipa. And Pipa is this like small surf town that was first found by hippies, literally founded by hippies. And now it's a surf town with a very nice vibe 
Dubai, like design everywhere, drawings with the, our local artists. It's like an international hub inside Brazil where so many people that came more than 20 years ago have their small hotels. So yeah, we landed in Pipa. Our first village in Brazil would be Pipa. And it's just in the Northeast. You have to fly to Natal or somehow fly to find a way to Natal at the main city in the States and then go one hour down at Pipa. And it's like, honestly, one of the most beautiful places and with the best lifestyles I ever seen in my life. It's just absolutely crazy. First day I was there, I landed and I, I was starving. I went to a restaurant. I love picanha. So I went, where do I eat the best picanha in Pipa? And they sent me to this restaurant by the, by the, by the beach. The waves were hitting on the walls of the restaurant. It's like by the beach, literally. I asked for the Wi-Fi password because I had a Brazilian SIM card and I, and I was pit testing. It was like 300 megabytes. I was like, what is is happening here. This place is beautiful. Everybody's surfing. Everybody looks incredible. Like what's happening? What's what's going on? And it just kept this experience. I was there for three weeks and I just had the same experience over and over again. So I knew people was good. I knew what we were looking for there. Honestly, it went above any of my expectations on how good this place is. So yeah, we are building there, launching 1st of November. Officially, I was there for three weeks, going back soon. And it's just this incredible place with incredible lifestyle which everybody walks with flip-flops and without t-shirt most of the time it really looks like a mix of Bali and Thailand so I'm in love with Brazil like the music everywhere is just insane the quality of life the caipirinhas for two euros doesn't uh, they, they don't get old the coconuts yeah it has everything everything it's, it's crazy I've uh I'm looking at pictures now and I've, I've been stalking it before this conversation too and it, it just looks insane I mean there's like these like giant lush like cliff like green cliffs do- dropping right down into the water the water's like this turquoise green. There's like hammocks posted up out in the water. Cool little beach town. What's the what's the uh, town like itself? Like, is there much to the village already, or you got you got to like bring it? Like, I, for, I'll ask the question in another way. I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but like when you set up Ponto del Sol in Madeira, like kind of a village that was struggling and like kind of it, it didn't have a ton of youth and life, and you guys kind of brought that. Is that the same in Pipa, or or what do you think? No, no, Pipa is different. Pipa is lively. Pipa is like, Pipa has some parts to it. Uh, so Pipa is actually like kind of a small tourist destination for very specific kinds of tourism. Uh, it was the, one of the first places in the Northeast that Portuguese and foreigners uh, from Europe started to go because of his natural hippie vibe. So no, Pipa is well, they have a big seasonality, meaning like February there is like European August is completely packed, but the rest of the year they are fairly empty, which is really good for us. And so, they have parties almost every day. They have a very good structure. That's why, like, for Brazil, we couldn't go to a village like Ponte do Sol because probably they would not have the structure we need in terms of internet, in terms of housing. So we had to choose a little bit more developed. Pipa is ready. It's not something you need to build. You need to build the, the structure for nomads, like co-working spaces, but socially unbelievable. Pipa is ready. There is a small community of Brazilian digital nomads there already. And I was just hanging with them. They play guitar every day and they make barbecues and they travel on the weekends with the communities there, you know, like it's not something you have to build from the ground up. Like it's just a, it's more like a place we are structuring for nomads. We are making the nomad prices. We are connecting with accommodation. We are making sure that all the restaurants have actually English menu, for example, like most of the tourism right now is very regional, very local, but no, everything is there. It's Everything's unbelievable. <laughs> have you ever been to uh key cocker or Bocas del Toro or, Puerto Viejo in uh, in Costa Rica, Bocas del Toro is in Panama. No, any of those places? 
No, not yet. Not yet. I heard a lot about it, but not yet. As I'm getting a vibe like that, like Bo- Boca del Toro, Puerto Viejo is like a, a town kind of. It's it's like the Costa Rican version of. Boca del Toro. It's like right there on the border. Very cool vibe. Like I spent a month there a couple years ago and uh, it's got a similar thing. And then Key Cocker in Belize is a super cool little haven of culture and fun and travelers uh, on a little island off the coast of Belize. I'm, I'm getting those kind of vibes as I look through this place and now I have to go. I'm, I'm looking for... So my new thing is... Uh, you'll love this, I think. I'm realizing like... I don't know if this is getting older or something, but like weather really affects me now like i'm i'm already dreading winter uh like i like and I, I like winter for like a month and then i just i'm ready to be done with it like every year when february 2 hits i'm like i'm done with this man I'm, i want i want warmth heat so anyway i'm looking for my new thing is like i want to have like a winter escape i'm going to be in europe but i want to have like a one month winter escape in february and uh so i'm looking for that place um maybe maybe people will be it it doesn't have to be february it could be march March is it's the opposite. So probably to be a little bit more expensive, probably like 50, 70% more expensive than March. Uh, it's literally like the school vacations are February, right? So March, first of March, things go down. So if you go, for example, in March or even January, it's going to be much, much cheaper because February is also carnival. This doesn't mean that you cannot stay in, in February. You just have to be aware that it will be more expensive, more people, and especially many more parties because of carnival. Carnival, it's Brazil. I don't, I don't need to, to explain you what carnival is in Brazil. It's insanity. So yeah, February will be a little bit chaotic. But if you want to experience carnival, why not? You know, um, like we are still, we still have the luck to be in Europe and to have more money than usually locals do. So if you want to go in carnival and stay for the whole month where most people will stay for a week, it's still okay. But that said, in March, you'll have a more local experience with less tourism and less crowded places. Mm, Good to know. What's the, I know in Madeira, you had like a lot of buy-in from the local government and they were like really on board with you. It's like a true partnership. Do, Do you feel the same vibe from Brazil and from Pipa? It's different. So this is the first community we are building ourselves, meaning the government is not investing monetarily in the place. Uh, we are building as nomadex, we are investing as nomadex, and we have some ideas on how to benefit later. We actually don't, we are not sure yet. We have some ideas on how to do it. So that said, the government's on board. What happens is that elections are happening in Brazil and it's everything chaos. It's very very extreme to one side or to the other, like pretty much everywhere in the world. So, but still, the national government is with us. Um, they, the, the tourism board is with us. The state uh, tourism is with us and the municipality is with us. So they have three structures for the government. And we were able somehow to actually put them all communicating for us and on our side, which is quite cool. They're not giving money, but they're helping us with PR. They're helping us with the places, with the contacts, and they're making sure we are really welcomed by the local community. So it's a kind Kind of different kind of partnership. It's something I wanted to try. In Brazil, it happened. But what's happening already is that different cities and different locations in Brazil are reaching out almost every day. And we already know more or less where we are building the next ones. But yeah, because if you do one right in Brazil, the whole country will come after you. Even before I did it right, uh, we are just building it. Everybody's already reaching out because they also want this project there. They understand the importance of this market. They understanding what it can bring and they see the results from the data, right? So... 
as of now, we have a partnership with all the, the branches of the government. In the future, we want to go deeper and actually involve some resources in this partnership. We already have some offers from a city very close to Pipa that is like unbelievable as well, all about beach volleyball, kitesurf, beach tennis. And we, I was there. So if you go to my Instagram, you'll probably find out where it is. I'll not tell you. Because, you, know, you can't, you can't say it, but uh, we can stalk you and, and figure it out. Very easy. <laughs> yeah, like, every, all the governments are involved and we are really building this with them, but more not on a monetary way this time. What does that sound like? Uh, can you like take us inside with maybe falsifying some numbers if you want? But I'm just curious, like, what does it sound like? Like, let's pretend I'm the government of whatever place this is. Uh, it could be, it could have been Madeira, it could have been Cabo Verde, it could be like all these different places you've, you've talked with the government officials. What are they curious to know? Um, and, and then what are you telling them like that, that will come, like build it and they will come kind of thing? Mm, they, want, they want to understand this market and the way I put it, it's actually, well, this project was built in Italy, in the mountains, as you love it, uh, for repopulation, right? So in the end, honestly, this is still a repopulation program. First is a digital nomad village. What happens and what's happening now in Brazil is that people are coming back to Madeira locals. Expats are moving to Madeira. So there is a repopulation side to the projects we do. And they understand that the kind of people that we attract is very good for places that want to kind of restart and have a younger crowd there. So we just show the numbers from Madeira, like... We built, in my opinion, one of the best projects in the world. Now we just show the numbers and how we did it, literally. So Madeira, we invested around 30,000 euros. We, the first year, we got back into the economy directly from our numbers, 25 to 30 million euros. So it's like 0.20 investment, not too bad, right? So it's more or less with these numbers, we are more or less playing right now, like an investment up to 50,000 euros and the return usually 100x at least. Wow. I mean, that's pretty easy. Like, it, it can be a quick conversation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's not a lot of money for a government. I mean, of any size, like even, even like the smallest of government. I mean, you're just, it's, it's such a small investment. And it's really just that I think there's this like really interesting flywheel effect there too. Um, you just mentioned it. Like, you, let's just say you have a place this village that's that's dying, you know, people are moving away because there's no opportunity there. And so they're going to the big city, the closest big city to get jobs. And so property prices are going down, tax revenues going down, all these things. Now you infuse some life into that place, you bring in 100 people who each spend $1,000 a month, or 1000 euros a month, and you there's the monetary investment there. But then there's also all those people who say, Oh, I can move back to my village now. Or, oh, cool, my, the property price of my home has gone up now. Or I can rent that place out and reinvest those dollars back into the economy. Cool, I don't have to be in the big city to have an opportunity. I can run my little shop again in the, in the village. So, I mean, there's all these little offshoots of it that I think kind of fly under the radar and, and are really the magic behind this whole thing. Man, even the impact on the media, like Madero came and now Brazil again, like CNN, Washington Post, all the media skipped, sifted, everybody's writing about it, right? So this has value, like the truth boards actually put a value in all these articles so if we can if we connect everything we did our presence on the media and our investment giving the case of Madeira, the, the, the direct impact goes way up to like 60 million easily we bought we brought more than 100 companies to Madeira, which is insane like everybody's from my community everybody that loves Madeira is now looking for a house and they want to stay there longer because they love to be there so there is definitely a lasting impact that we are not counting and especially like direct taxes and everything we are not counting on this uh, we are not counting in the property taxes we are not counting anything we are just counting how much money did Nomad spend here because that's the only thing we can actually calculate more or less and yeah it's massive so yeah we're around like 50k usually per year depending on the country like a more expensive country will also 
like we'll have to also to invest more money because we have to send people there. I have my community managers now that go there that allow us to have the community. We have to pay them. We have to pay like the accommodation for them and mine as well. So it's going to it really depends on the cost of life of the country. I came fair it was half of that. Yeah, it really depends. If someday we do a rich country, probably to be double of that. But it's always according a little bit also to the cost of life because we need to live there as well. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's so cool to uh, to get a little inside scoop on on what it's like behind the scenes. How's Portugal doing? Like, it's a super broad question, but I mean, what I mean is like Portugal's become this this nomad haven now. Like, the, it's like the number one place in the world for expats to move to consistently at the top of nomad list or like five destinations in Portugal. And I, I have heard some like negative effects of that from like locals, like property prices going up and. Um, things like this. Like what, what's your, I mean, you're a Portuguese guy, so you can speak to this directly. What's your perception of, of the state of Portugal from, from the standpoint that we would be talking about it here on About Abroad? Yeah, I think Portugal is probably one of the best countries in Europe to move to uh, because of the weather, because of the quality of life. Wine is three euros. If that, that the other things doesn't convince, don't convince you, wine is just three euros. A bottle of wine is just three euros. It's like it's a very nice country. What the mistake, for my, my opinion, like where the issue is, is that the government of Portugal, as of today, has no strategy to decentralize from Lisbon. And well, the prices are going up everywhere. This is not about where people are moving. US is not going up. All the cities in Europe are the prices going up. So it's not specifically about people moving in. Yes, prices are going up more in Portugal because there are so many people choosing Portugal as a home. But the issue is not that, in my opinion. The issue is that the government is not doing an effort to decentralize from Lisbon. Like, Portugal is incredible. It's incredible. Algarve is incredible. Porto is incredible. Our countryside, we have mountains in Portugal as well. And our mountains are incredible. And we have ski in Portugal. Who knew? So there is a whole country to be discovered. And I don't think the government is doing a good job into helping us decentralize. And that's the biggest issue. Yes, the government, and we are working on that with them, uh, is creating a remote work visa. Right now we have T7 that almost everybody knows. T7 was actually built for retirees to move to Portugal, specifically retirees from Spain and uh, from uh, France and Switzerland. So it's working for remote workers, which is great. But we are now finally building a proper remote work visa. And we understand that the government will not do a good job into first, catering the digital nomad community, second, decentralizing the nomad community and the remote work community. So we took issues in our hands, like I like to do. So we started the Digital Nomad Association in Portugal, like other countries did. And our goal is literally to replace the tourism of Portugal um, into the nomad economy. So we want to replace all the efforts that the tourism of Portugal do. They have no idea about Tishtanomas. They have no idea what we do. So we want to replace the government or work in partnership with the government to be the owners of this project, to be the owners of the decentralization of Portugal and to own by this project by creating like a network of locations that we believe are the best ones in Portugal for remote workers. So... Yeah, in October, we'll be visiting a lot of places. In November, we're launching something, participating in some conferences. But this association in Portugal is a thing now. And we will replace the government and hopefully also the tourism of Portugal into managing and preparing Portugal for all remote workers. Was this connected to the... You did something where somebody gave you like a car to drive across Portugal or something and you visited a bunch of places. Tell me the story on that because I, I, I kind of know, but I don't really know. 
it is it is not we'll do it again so yeah we'll do it again we'll get to car and we'll visit 10 places also to find more about them and to see if they're good to work remotely but basically we were sponsored by toyota to they gave us a car and i partnered with the municipalities of 10 locations and i visited them all so one day one location every location we get to know the place we get to know the political part of it the municipality and we give a workshop to the locals the last time was about remote work. This time is how can businesses adapt to welcome this autonomous in their town. So literally, we are capturing the businesses. We are going for the community and for the people who will actually gain from the presence of these digital nomads. And every single location, we are doing this workshop to make sure also that even before we prepare, even before we choose the place, actually the whole country is ready to welcome digital nomads and remote workers. So yeah, we'll do this again and it will be really fun. It's very tiring. Uh, you are giving a workshop per day. You are traveling like two hours per day at least. And good, it's a small country. Imagine doing this in the US, but still uh, it goes, it goes a little bit hard. And then I go back to Brazil to, to rest. What's, what's not, your please. favorite? Uh, all right. I got two questions about this. I'm very curious. First, real quick, what's your favorite little like hidden gym that you found in Portugal that you didn't even know about before you you uh, you ventured out on this journey? Ooh, Is there it Madeira? So I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know most of the places. Yeah, Madeira was different. Madeira was before, but yeah, that Porto do Sol is the my favorite place right now in the world. Uh, but in Portugal, I, I think it's not through this. So I think the biggest eagle the gem in Algarve, which is a place that a lot of people is going, is Tavira. Tavira is incredible. It's the only place, in my opinion, in Algarve that still is genuine, where mass tourism and big hotels didn't take over, which is great. In Portugal, I really like Serra de, the Serra de Estrela, which is our biggest mountain. And there is like little towns all around. And I was there, I visited all around. And one of the places is called Alvoco da Várzea, which is, yeah, nobody will ever pronounce this. But it's like this little old village, like very small, that is part of a project from Aldeia de Montanha, villages in the mountains, which is kind of an association. And they built a small, a small rural co-working space there, a beautiful co-working space, small with local things only. And it's like five minutes away from the river. And I know, I think I, I love water. And I think most humans do. So it's like working in a small village, super cute. The president of the local, of the village works in front of you, literally, like in the building in front of you, she's always there. They do some meetings there. And you are in this little village in the middle of the mountains next to the river. And yeah, it's just peaceful and beautiful. So probably that will be part of our future. But yeah, man, there is so many places in Portugal like that. It's crazy. Portugal is very diverse. Yeah, it's it's more diverse. People think of the South. I think they think of they think of Lisbon and then they think of the Algarve. And uh, and there's like there's so much more to it. Um, I think Spain's similar in that way. People think of like the Costa del Sol and like that's that's what's in their mind. Or they think of Barcelona and like Gaudi architecture. It's like so diverse. I mean. Um, you get up in the north, it looks like, looks like Ireland, you know, it's like a rolling mountain, green mountains and cliffs and in the south. Yeah, you got the, the coastal soul. And but I don't know, it's yeah, there's, there's a lot of diversity on the Iberian Peninsula that that gets looked past. Um, my second question that I wanted to ask about this tour that you did is these workshops, like, so you're, you're presenting to little, little, I'm, I'm envisioning like, you know, mom and pop bed and breakfast owners who are like, we want digital nomads. Like what's the persona of the person that you're speaking to at these, at these workshops who are business owners wanting to attract digital nomads and what's like, generally, what are their, their conceptions? What do they, what do they want to know? What are they expecting from this? And, and what are their curiosities? I'd, I'd love to kind of peek inside what these people are wondering and thinking. 
They they are very proactive. I think the Portuguese is always usually very proactive. So they are there to learn, literally. They ask all the questions they want to ask. So I give the whole structure about what I think they should do, like faster internet, a place to work, etc. And they are so curious about our community. They are they understand that like they cannot do it alone, and this is great. This is part of our mission as well. They understand that their business alone we will not do it, but the municipality can help. So we put some pressure in the municipality as well, for sure. Um, but the person is usually everything, like big hotel owners, small small guest houses, uh, restaurants, beach bars. It's unbelievable, the diversity. Basically, the whole business, the whole business town comes to us and is there listening and very curious. And these are people that start business. They're super proactive. They want, they want solutions, right? They want to understand how they would try What are we looking for? And they also, again, they are pushing for their politics because they understand they're the key part into making it happen. So it's very interesting, the people that visit us and that are there to learn and how they react. And usually we continue in touch in the future because they want to make it happen Again, Portugal is very seasonal, so they want more people in the low season where they know it's still a great place to work from. And they are ready to go above and beyond to do it. They just need some help from the municipalities. Sweet. Oh, that's cool, man. Um, one question also I wanted to ask you uh, before I, I let you go here in a little bit. Um, how's Cabo, how's Cabo Verde doing? And, uh, and, and what's the, what's the, give us, I don't think we've spoken since you, like on the podcast, at least since you set that up. So maybe we actually give a little bit of background um, on this project and and then a quick update. Confirmed. So Confirmed is in the coast of Senegal. In case you are wondering, it's a it's their own country. Uh, they don't belong to Portugal. A lot of people believe so, but no. And it's Africa, like it's African island, which is incredible. We work with the government. We are not working with the government directly anymore. We're kind of consulting uh, more for the marketing parts. Uh, we worked for the government for one year, and now we are kind of trying to do another solutions by ourselves. So what we did as Nomadex, this is why I needed Nomadex uh, in the whole scheme of things, and I could do it myself, is that as Nomadex, we gathered accommodation that we got the context when we were there. We gathered the co-working spaces, and basically we are building this package all-inclusive. So if you buy this package, it's like you have your own studio, which is great with kitchen and everything, but you are also in a building full of digital nomads. You have a co-working space included. You have a transfer from the airport included, and we have their community manager full-time. Uh, this is our only way to actually get the community manager. The cool thing is all these costs only around 850 euros, which is insane. Uh, so you can literally come to Cape Verde, enjoy incredible weather, enjoy kitesurf, enjoy swimming with turtles, enjoy African culture, enjoy safety, like it's super safe. Uh, we are in the we are in Mindelo, in the island of San Vicente, which is the capital of culture of Cape Verde. So it's like the best singers are from there. There is live music every single day. You can enjoy all that for 850 euros it can eat outside for like six euros easily like fresh fish every single day and so we did this with nomadex as a solution we felt that a lot of people were afraid and were a little bit lost when coming to cape verde so it's like okay we make it we make some money we have a margin there of course we're making money from this and we can keep a community manager there we can give you a great experience and we can keep Cape Verde on the map once because government is always up and down. We, can, we can't depend on the governments only. So yeah, we built this package. We have around 40 people already coming until December, which is quite cool. Uh, but we, we had to repackage everything as a private business because the government is way too slow, to be honest. So they are still our partners. We still work with them. I still talk with them. We are all friends, but they are too slow. So as a business, we, we are there in Cape Verde. We are kind of kickstarting this as a business this year. And it's going really well because people just have 
have to pay. They arrive, they're welcome. There's a person waiting for them. There's a taxi in the airport waiting for them. They go straight to accommodation. They go to the coding space. Everything works. So yeah, that's what we do in Cape Verde now. And we'll try this year, but so far so good. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I was following along. You guys were doing some really cool like uh, social impact projects, I think there too, like working with the school system and um, cleaning up beaches and things like that. Can you, can you speak to that a little bit? Yes, we want to do this really cool thing also. But this will be starting December only because it's too much at the same time. So from December, if you come to Cape Verde, you can actually be matched with the NGO. Cape Verde is a poor country. Like, it's incredible, beautiful, but it's still poor. They still have... They don't produce anything that... Can, they can sell. More, the biggest part of the economy is tourism, which is not perfect after COVID, right? So we're actually working with Simabo, which is a dog shelter. So if you like animals, you can literally give 10 hours per week to them, which can be taking care of dogs, can be taking care of the website, whatever. We are working with the Women Entrepreneur Association and we are working basically with four or five associations. So if you want to, from December, we will basically pair you with one of these associations and you can give your time and your expertise to these associations. They need to have a team of nomads, like three, four nomads in each association working together, especially in what whatever they are expert in, you know, like uh, building a sales pitch would be your job, for example. Or if you are good with websites, uh, make their website better. If you are good with photography and social media, let's take pictures, for example, to the dogs or to the village. We are also working with a small village of San Pedro that I fell in love with which is like this fisherman village traditional they have like one less than 1000 people and most people are unemployed because there is nothing and they started to visit turtles they used to eat turtles before but now they understand that they get more money while just going with a boat and allowing people to swim with turtles which is incredible i did that way too many times and we want to develop the village. So we are working also with like the development association of the village to make sure whatever we do, like education, bringing computers, old computers, whatever, to also help these people to thrive. I want to be my social case study in Cape Verde in the future. But yeah, basically we are pairing these tournaments with the local NGOs. We feel that, and this is something that me as a kind of a thought leader in the community, we want to push more like with Tarek as well. We need to leave the places better than we found them, uh, whatever it is, workshop, talking with the schools, etc. This is kind of a more active part than that. So we all speak about it. It's not just us, right? We only have two hands. If we bring 100 people and they all help, that would be kind of incredible. So that's what we try to do this. And we try to show this to the whole world. Yeah, Gonzalo mentioned Tarek there, uh, who's a, a friend of both of ours and a friend of the show, previous guest here on About Abroad a couple seasons ago. Um, he's, uh, the, is it, I correct me if I'm wrong, the founder of, uh, nomads giving back and, uh, based in Bali and it's an awesome organization. Uh, go back and find that episode. If, if you're interested in this part of what we're talking about, there's a whole hour basically talking about, uh, nomads giving back. And I think this is such a cool thing because, you know, generally speaking, I mean, we're, we're talking about people who are taking advantage of geo arbitrage. I'm not saying that in a bad way, but we're just, you know, you're earning a Western income or you're earning income from a, a developed country. And a lot of times you're going to places where your money goes a long way. And, um, and I think there's two things to this, like one, yeah, you're injecting money into the economy. That's cool. That's great. And, and I, I think that's a, a huge advantage. It's a win-win for everybody. Um, but, but two, you know, you're often also looking for, uh, community as part of your travels. If you're traveling solo or even as a family or a couple or whatever, you're often looking for other kind of like, like-minded people and it can be challenging to build community. There's no better way to build community than contributing to something in a, in a deeper way together. 
Uh, so I think this does two things. You know, it 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 rounds out that good aspect, the the positive impact that nomads and travelers and expats can have on a community where they're they're sort of taking advantage of the situation. Again, not saying that in a bad way, but that's just what the what the situation is. And then two, you're like knocking your it's two birds, one stone, because you're also getting that community, you're building relationships with other people, you're connecting, giving back. I mean, this I, I think it's it's such a there's such an opportunity here that's that hasn't been tapped into in the way that it can be. And so I love seeing people like Tyrek and like you who are leaders in this space, making that a fundamental part of, of what the nomad movement is about. I want to say like, I learned everything from Tarek. When I was a nomad in Bali, I met Tarek and I learned everything from him. So all the kudos are from him. I just want to implement even more than he's doing with nomads giving back. I just want to share like a short experience we did last winter in Cape Verde. So we were like 15 nomads more or less staying for Christmas. And on Christmas day, we all put together like 30, 40 euros each. We went to the Chinese store and we bought a lot of stuff. And we went to São Pedro, this village I was telling you about. And with, the, with this local association, we made this like massive Christmas party where we're giving gifts to kids. Not just give them like, oh, here are the foreigners giving kids to gifts to kids. We hate that. So we literally gave everything to the association. We spent the whole day partying and playing with the kids, like football and jump rope, etc., and like painting with the little ones. And yeah, we just spent all the money giving gifts to everyone through the association, never us directly. And we said, just spend the day playing with them in the Christmas day, 25th of December. And honestly, one of my, one of the best days of my life, easy. So yes, we give, but we will also have some of the best days of our life by giving, like no joke, like it's so much better than anything else I spent 40 euros on in my life. I would spend 100 probably next time because just the feeling of helping, just to see the feeling of being playing with the kids, they see their happy faces, having this special Christmas where probably their parents don't even have money to buy any good Christmas gift. Like the Southern Cape is like 200 euros. So probably the parents don't even have, when they have a job. So probably most of the kids didn't have a proper gift. So they had this gift from the association that came from us and by far one of the best days of my life easily wow they say you know like there's like a saying out there that's like you when you give in a meaningful way you get back 10x of what you invest um so if you're in and i mean in a way like it's like if you you know if it's it, it, in order for that to work it has to be something that you're actually passionate about um and you connect with you can't just like throw money at a charity that you don't give a shit about and and you know get something meaningful back from that but in this case like this connects with everything that you're about and everything you're trying to do with Nomad X and at the same time like gives you a personal satisfaction um I'm all about selfish good deeds that do uh that do good things you know <laughs> man that's it and yeah, I think we forget how good it feels. I think everybody that gave something and like actively understands this, but I think we forget too fast how good it feels. So yeah, I think we need to do it more often. And if we can do it as a default in our community, it's easy for us, right? We have the community, we have the people, we know that what they need. Uh, it's not just a random association. It's, we are there, we understand them. So yeah, man, it's just the best feeling in the world. So we definitely will put this in all our communities. We just need a little bit more time. In Cape Verde, we have the connections. We want to do this in Brazil, but then we'll see how it works. But definitely Brazil, as it's also a development country, and especially where we are in the Northeast, there is a lot of poverty. So we want to also help out a little bit. Let's see how it goes. What with uh all right, first of all, correct me on how to say it. Is it Cape Verde or Cabo Verde? I mean, you know, I know you're talking like Portuguese and English, but like what do people say? 
<laughs> Mostly Cabo Verde in Portuguese. They are, I think they changed the name of the country in English to Portuguese, Cabo Verde, but Cape Verde is also correct. Okay. All right. So I'm not completely wrong there. Good. And then, uh, and then secondly, one thing I was a little bit confused about because I was looking into it as my winter escape last year is I, where do you fly into? Like, what's the route you take to get to this place? And, and are there two different places or walk me through the logistics there? Yeah. Yes, we are working more with Mindelo, which is the second biggest city of Cape Verde, uh, which is like 35,000 people, but it looks like a village. And you have to fly directly there through Lisbon. The best way, at least, is go to Lisbon and fly directly to Mindelo. There is Top Air Portugal and Cape Verde Airlines with direct flights pretty much every day. Okay. All right. Cool. Good to know. Um that's great, man. Uh, what else? I mean, you're doing a lot of things. We touched on a lot of things, but there's probably things we're missing. Um, anything else you want to make sure we get to? I think I still have to give you the news. Uh, I think I promised you something that uh, will change the whole nomad world. Are you ready for this? So next year, I, 2023. I need a second. The audience <laughs> yeah, needs a second. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay, let's do it. This is the, far, the first time this is said in public. I think you'll listen to this before it goes into social media, actually, uh, whoever is listening to this. Uh, we are very private. So next year, 2023, will be a great year for digital nomadism. Or, well, maybe not so much. Uh, we'll see. But I'll have to stay in Madara a little bit longer because I'll change my talk. I'll talk a little bit less about digital nomadism. And I'll have to speak a little bit more about digital nomad families. So we'll see how that plays out next year. Uh, but it looks like... Um, I'll experience a little bit more of the digital nomad family side of digital nomadism. You will be experiencing this personally. Yes. Oh, wow. This is a very big <laughs> announcement. Congratulations. Uh, I'm a bit, I'm a, I'm a little overwhelmed. I'm, I'm honored, man. That's, uh, that's amazing. Congrats to you and Kata. Yeah, this will be fun. I hope. I don't know. Uh, we are not sure what to think, but yeah, we wanted. <laughs> Uh, so we'll see how it goes, but yeah, we'll be, I'll be a father. We'll do this number. We'll keep going nomadic. There is no question about it. Uh, but we want, we were already discussing this in like at Bansko with Andreas, Bill Gerdes and other nomad families like Ken from, uh, Ochar, uh, how they do it. Just to understand a little bit of the logistics. And yeah, now, now we'll try the practical, like we cannot go around just with the theory, right? So we have to try how it works, uh, really. So yeah, around March. <laughs> Man, congratulations. That's huge. And you know what? I think this is good for the, for the nomad world because, uh, something that, you know, people that listen to this show will know that I'm something I'm really excited about, although I'm not a father. Uh, so I, I, it may be weird that I'm so uh, excited about this, but I'm very enthusiastic about the future of travel and expat life, digital nomad life for families and and how that evolves. Like we're changing from this idea that you have to be like a 22 year old backpacker with a, with a laptop, you know, just like toting it around and staying in hostels to, you know, full on families that are, that are traveling all the time and making this work. And there's tons of cool projects and product services emerging to, uh, to, to assist those people and make it possible because it comes with its own set of challenges, of course. Um, but it's doable and there's people out there showing that it's doable and innovating in the space. I have no doubt you being in that space literally will be good for those, the, the, those people that are wanting to live that lifestyle. 
Yeah, and we are already thinking about how can we adapt our communities to be more family friendly because we just build a community as a community. We didn't focus too much in singles, couples, wherever. It's just a community. So definitely it's something that will be built in in the future of in all our communities. And yeah, who knows? Like we need to build solutions wherever nomadic problems there is. We need to build solutions. So yeah, there is no good solution that I can find for ourselves. We will have to build one somewhere, somehow. But I think we'll see, we'll see like, like as you said, really like so many great great products, so many great projects around Nova's families that I think in this in this time frame we are very lucky of doing this just now as it's the time to build so why not have a little one to build with us and to inspire <laughs> us to build for him so we'll see how that goes oh man that's gonna be the uh that one's coming out of the womb with a passport in his hand I, his, his or her hand i believe uh, you guys you guys will be the the nomad family so i can't wait to follow along um on the on the group now the the two of you expanding to three i can't wait to follow your journeys um thank you for for sharing with us uh i could think i can speak on behalf of everybody listening that uh we're we're honored you you shared that with us and uh, i'm super excited for you guys man congrats thank you so much man it was a pleasure and yeah you're part of our family too a different one we're very grown up but uh, thank you so much for everything you're doing as well and yeah it's always a pleasure yeah man uh, this is always fun well we'll we'll have to say we want to do this more often but i know it's tough to find time on the calendar so we'll uh we'll do our best and um yeah thanks again man we'll talk to you soon Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links. Aboutabroad.com slash newsletter to get our monthly newsletter. No spam, guaranteed. Or ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me, it also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.